Drilling fluids touch just about everything in the drilling process. We're here to deconstruct the drilling process and drilling fluid concepts to provide a deeper understanding of our industry. In each episode, we'll share information, talk to interesting people, and maybe share a few stories along the way. Welcome to The Flow Line, a production of AES Drilling Fluids, brought to you by Matt Offenbacher and Justin Gautier. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Flow Line. I'm here with my fabulous co-host, Matt Offenbacher. Matt, how are you doing today? And what are the Astros up to? It's October. Well, the Astros did this thing where they won the division by letting the Rangers lose (laughs) to the Mariners. It's a beautiful thing. I'll take it. I'm not saying it was how I expected this all to go down, but I'll take it. (laughs) Don't ask how the sausage is made. Right. Yes, I'm very excited that the Astros are in the playoffs again and ALDS so we can rest some guys. And I bought my ticket for Sunday and then texted my wife about all the things I was going to do around the house until Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. So, because I remember seeing maybe something on Twitter or something that there were basically three teams trying to fill a spot. And so that's what you're talking about. This all happened and they just so happened to be the ones to be the right place, right time, right record. And boom, here we are. Yeah. So you basically had the Mariners, the Rangers and the Astros were all like neck and neck. And there were all these multiple tiebreakers. There were like over 100 different scenarios that could have happened with like eight games left as far as who was in, who was out. But there were only two spots. There's a wild card spot and the division champ. Okay. But because the Mariners and the Rangers were playing each other, it sort of meant one was likely not going to make it Mm. as long as the Astros kept winning. It ended up this weird mix of games where... The Astros won the games they needed to, and so they actually clinched a wild card spot, and then the next day they had to win their game, but the Rangers had to lose. Mm. And no matter what, the Mariners were eliminated, so you thought, well, are they even going to care about the game if they're not going to the playoffs or whatever? Yeah. And I guess they wanted to end with pride, which ironically enough, there's not a lot of love lost between the Mariners and the Astros, so it was like, <laughs> let's lose this game just to stick it to the Astros, but yeah. they did us a favor. No kidding. So, okay, so when does this all start now? The wild card games will start this week, and then whoever wins that will play the Astros starting on Saturday. Boom. So it's all happening. Of course, I have no idea when this episode is going to come out, so this may be old new. Hopefully, we're talking about the World Series or something by then, but <laughs> I'm just excited that playoffs another year no kidding it can't last forever but it can last another year right no it's always exciting especially around the office too like everyone gets kind of bands together and everyone starts wearing their astros gear and yeah it's just the energy is awesome and big congrats to the astros and anyone who follows them i'm sure you're pretty fired up and we'll keep everyone updated if you don't watch them you're going to hear about it from now until they're out of the playoffs so but with that said let's get into some podcasting here talk about drilling fluids we had someone reach out to you matt with a question and Kind of cool. I like talking about this kind of stuff. I'll read the question here, more so the comment that will make the episode around. Said, hello, Matt. Once again, thanks for the podcast and hope you and Justin keep doing that. I think you could speak about failures, mistakes in the field, or even in the office, labs, plants, how to overcome them, lessons learned, and how to avoid repeat them. Some tips in the leadership perspective. Thanks. Matt, this is a cool question because a lot of times we get questions specifically about whether it's a product, whether it's a situation, how to overcome some well scenario. But this is more sort of high level talking about how to handle adversity, you know, as a service company and then as leaders in the space or just if you're in a leadership role, some perspective around overcoming challenges. And I think it's a cool topic because we haven't really focused on that for a particular episode. Yeah, I won't use the choice words. But what do they say in the oil field? You're only as good as your last 
blank up, <laughs> yeah. right? And there's a lot of people that you remember with the way they were handling stuff. It's expensive. Things have a lot of attention on them. And I think many of us are still sort of snake bit by conflict that occurred when something went wrong. Yeah. And either people would open up and be honest about it or hid things to protect their interests or what have you. There's a lot of stories about that that leave some bitter memories for a long time. Yeah. And, you know, to your point, it's whether it's in drilling fluids, in business, or even in life, it's not necessarily what happens that matters. It's how you respond to them. Yeah. And a lot of times, especially in the oil field, and you know, I remember, again, as a young engineer, or even as a rig hand, being so afraid to make a mistake that you would do anything to either avoid taking responsibility or figuring out a way to bounce it. And well, no, it was because of this, this, and this, instead of just taking ownership. But I think that's kind of the theme today is just like this fellow or, you know, I don't know who it came from, but this individual wanted some examples. And so, Matt, do you have any examples kind of when you reflect back on your career, whether here or any other company that you worked for, that something happened that you're proud of how you responded and, you know, maybe kind of helped made you a better account manager or technical professional or anything of sorts? Yeah, I don't know if I'm necessarily proud. The thing I realized, though, is the ability to do the right thing when you're looking for an out mm. once helps you do it again later. And so much of our business is about trust, right? We are service providers. Yeah. And because of that, I think it put me on the right track to put more energy into maintaining that trust. When it was possible, we could sort of maybe sweep something under the rug. Sure. And look, there's things like oversharing. And sometimes it's you can't even gauge how somebody's going to respond, right? Like you could offer a little extra information. You did what? And if it was never mentioned, it was never a problem. Like some yeah. of those things are unpredictable. But when I was working in Indonesia, we had an issue with Xanthan, believe it or not. And some of the product didn't make it onto the boat or... That's what I was told. But the thing is, these are expensive exploration wells. It's typically independent operators, fairly small. So like they've got a lot of their eggs riding on this one well they're going to drill over 30 days in a remote area. So mm -hmm. it's like a three-week sail once the products get on the boat to the well. Jeez. And then you start drilling for 30 days and you're done. A critical product like Xanthan showing up to the game that late, like what do you do? You can't go buy more down the street or what they have you. You can't hotshot the xanthan gum through a helicopter or something. No, I mean, I mean, like a lot of that stuff is quite difficult. I was told like, hey, you can sort of create some cover and make this look like somebody, you know, that was stolen or there were just like a number of these things that were sort of pitched to me. Mm -hmm. And it was tiring thinking about why, I guess it's like the temptation of like, oh, I could cover my tracks, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just like, you know what? I don't want to be that person. And it's almost more emotionally draining thinking about like, well, what if someone finds out like this whole elaborate ruse you made up? Isn't it easier to just say you made a mistake? Yeah. And so I was fully prepared to go to the customer and sort of explain the issue and the boat had left. So like we hadn't started drilling yet. And so I was trying to find ways. Could we charter a plane? We we're going to lose a bunch of money doing this. But I was like, how could we do this without losing the trust, like fix the problem kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, I was all ready to go talk to them and say, look, we made a huge mistake and I need to visit with you about it. And I'd already basically communicated as like, I was like, oh, we have a problem. We really need to discuss it. And I'm working on some solutions, but I need to let you know first. And I was ready to have that meeting. And in fact, now that I remember this correctly, I was actually in the meeting, like getting chewed out 
And somebody scrambled in. Look, Indonesian culture, you don't like point people out and yell at them. Like mm -hmm. a public shaming thing is culturally unacceptable. And that's basically what was happening is in a meeting in front of a bunch of other people, I was getting screamed at by someone. And he was a Canadian guy, didn't know the cultural norms yet because operator was relatively new to the country. Anyway, somebody scrambled in with a piece of paper and like put it on it, like very like squeamishly, like put it in front of him. And I saw it and it had said what had happened was we didn't have the Xanthan that we were going to send. So we managed to get some like off label stuff. And it was the email basically saying, hey, update the contract with your pricing. This was on the manifest. And it wasn't obviously Xanthan on the manifest. Mm. So like we actually had it and it was on the boat. But like I had to do go through all of the steps of the temptation, the realization that it, like that's not who I want to be. Yeah. actually the like screaming and facing the consequences and then it was like okay well that's one that was happened pretty early in my career where it was same way you know you're excited you want to do a really good job and there's sort of that fear of being found out like i'm not as good as what everybody's been saying because this happened on my watch yeah that one has certainly stuck with me and another one i'll share very briefly was having a conversation with an engineer with one of our customers and i don't think i misrepresented anything or i never felt that way but there are certain ways you talk to drilling engineers when you're kind of being salesy. And you got to be very careful about what they hear mm -hmm. relative to what you say. And I basically said, look, this thing has been really promising and I'm excited about it and it might work for you. And what they heard was it will work and I'm going to save all this money. And when it didn't, I had to take the full brunt of the way I conveyed that. I can see I could have led you down that path, even though I didn't think that was what I was doing. Yeah. But this drilling engineer was like, look, you understand how this the position it put me in in front of my people. And I was like, you know, that's really fair. I could have been more clear. I could have put some things in writing about my expectations yeah. as opposed to just a conversation. In some ways, I'm like, well, I didn't deceive anybody. I never promised it. Like in, in my mind, yeah, it was a lesson in what people hear, especially when they're on the other side of the table and might not understand entirely what you're talking about when it comes to fluids. Hmm. So those are two that sort of stick with me as far as things that I hope I've gotten better. Not that I'm done making mistakes, right? but I was able to maintain relationships with people, I think, because of that. Mm -hmm. I didn't know if you, any of these perking up any old nightmare scenarios from your work history. Yeah. Again, it's an interesting topic and one that, especially in oil and gas and when you're drilling, mistakes are going to happen. It's inevitable. The only thing guaranteed is that there's going to be a well that you have issues on. There's a good chance that it might be your fault one day. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, when I first started off in sales, I was so eager to land a job and I would do anything and everything with integrity to try and land a sale and to provide a solution and gather up information. And here it is, like, this is a good opportunity. And so long story short, there was an operator drilling in a basin that uses primarily brine and lubricant. We had a product that I thought was going to be effective at a cost effective price managed to get a trial. It went absolutely horribly. And I had been working on this operator for well over a year. And finally, the right opportunity came along where the engineer said, okay, if you can meet this, this, and this, you got a shot. And it was in a basin that we really didn't have much work in. So we sent product from halfway across the country. And it took quite a few resources to pull together and make this thing happen. Well, we were supposed to get a pad trial and we didn't even get through the first well where they had to displace it. It cost them a bunch of money. Mm. And I remember driving home on I-10 and got a call from the field and said, hey, this stuff is not working. It's doing this, it's doing that. The rig's not happy. The company rep isn't happy. And so 
I was like, well, I could either do one of two things. I could wait for the drilling engineer or the operator to call me and figure out a way to make an excuse and make it seem like it's not my fault. Or I make the tough decision to call and say, hey, I understand here's what's going on. I did the latter. I called the engineer, told him exactly, hey, here's what's going on. I'm aware of it. And then come to find out after conversations and digging deep, I ended up taking full responsibility for it because I didn't do the right due diligence. And I could have easily blamed it on, well, the lab didn't do this testing and, oh, well, the product developers didn't do this and they didn't consider that. I knew that by owning up to it, essentially apologizing and saying, here's what I'm willing to do to make it right. If we were to ever get an opportunity, here's what I would do different. I'm not expecting you would, but just understand that us as a company and even myself, we're learning from this. And hopefully in the future, it doesn't ruin the relationship to potentially get something down the line. And the response was very little. We ended up making it right. And then lo and behold, I kept in touch with that drilling engineer. And it wasn't but a few years later, got another shot on a rig in another basin for a full service job. And we've had the work ever since. And that was in 2017. And so it's crazy how things come full circle. And the engineer acknowledged like, hey, obviously I had to hear it from my folks when this happened. And so for a couple of years, AES, when our name got brought into their office, it was like, yeah, but remember that time? And But he said, you know, you were honest, you called me. And essentially I built trust with his engineer to where, you know, when I got the opportunity again, it ended up working out well. I crossed several T's and dotted several I's this time to make sure that I didn't make a mistake and made sure I did all the due diligence that I could. And so again, that's an example. There's several more, but that's just one that comes to mind, especially when you're, again, you're so concerned a lot of times if there's a mistake, the first thing we think of is, oh my goodness, are we getting ran off? And especially in oil field services, we talked about this within the directional one. It's so easy because there's so many ghosts to chase and to find a root cause when there's a problem going on 10,000 feet below surface is challenging, right? Like yeah. you can only collect the information that's readily available to hopefully draw a conclusion to somehow find out a root cause that hopefully everyone says, uh, yeah, I think that makes sense. Okay, let's go. So at the end of the day, it's easy and there's a lot of, I guess, hesitancy to just own up to something. And I'm not saying you always have to die on your own sword, but if you feel like it is something that you were responsible for, it's the hardest conversation to have. But at the end of the conversation, it's actually a breath of fresh air. And that'll probably be something that I'll always remember. But that's my example. Yeah, well, it's amazing how much that pays off. So my mom worked in healthcare for a while as a nurse and one of the things, all these companies had done studies about medical malpractice mm. and found that like most people don't sue if the doctor apologizes, <laughs> but that's an admission of liability, right? Like sure. now I made a mistake and the idea is that you like fight this and that way it doesn't ever get attached to your reputation that you made a mistake. And I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of that and you want to be as clear and honest as you can while recognizing that there's also extenuating circumstances that can happen where in the same way, if you get in a car accident and they say, you know, don't admit guilt or what have you. And it's like, well, it could have been that the person was intoxicated and did something, even though perhaps it looked more like it was your fault or you felt like you made a mistake. Mm -hmm. Like there could have been other circumstances. And so taking all of the blame for something can sometimes be an issue. But I think like the things we're talking about, it's pretty clear that it was us. I think when you get to that, I think it is worth bringing whatever information you can to the table with some sort of integrity or with full integrity. But the flip side of it is like knowing, okay, this is clearly on me and I need to speak up and own that instead of like hoping this fades out into the ether. Yeah. And then the ones where it's like, 
okay, some things weren't perfect, but I can't wrap my head around how the other things could have been going on. Mm-hmm. And with drilling fluids, it's a nightmare because there's always something else going on. <laughs> yeah. But the first thing I wanted to bring up from a response is most companies, whether they have it written in elaborate detail or not, have some sort of quality management system. They have processes to say, this is how we provide services or this is how we manufacture products or what have you. And with that, it can be a reasonable starting point of saying, okay, here's what broke. Because I think owning up is one thing, but if you have got to call somebody in the middle of the night and say, hey, I made a mistake, don't stop there. (laughs) Also talk about what you're doing to fix it. Yeah. And that may be like, I will get back to you. I'm working on a couple of things, but I need to let you know this now because rig time is valuable. I'm going to let you know what our options are when we've got them lined up. Yeah. There is that. But with a quality control or quality management system, you can actually sort of say, okay, here's where we think something broke down. And this may even be more after the fact of like, this step wasn't followed. Here's a corrective action so that we always follow that step from now on. Or somebody wasn't even aware that this was a step that has to be done. Those kinds of things. So a lot of bigger companies want to hear like what step broke down in your quality management system or did you have a gap? Right. And what are you going to do about it? That resolution side of things is probably like after you've mopped up. But I think it's worth working that in the conversation early just by way it can also be. We've talked about it on our end. Like if there's ever a question about our product quality, let's go look at the quality management system. And I can see the certificates of analysis. I can tell you all the products were in spec. Just, you know, give me a lot number. Mm-hmm. We can rule that out right away. That's quick and easy. Yeah. So we can sort of initiate that even when we try and figure out what's happening is, did we follow all the steps? Is there anything that sticks out here? We should have, but if we didn't, we can find out. That's another thing. Something got missed. Right. Your quality management system is sort of going to be the backbone of this throughout, no matter how unofficial or official you have something. But the flip side of that is I worked for a company that was obsessed with their quality management system and compliance, and they had accountability matrices and all this stuff. And what I found is nobody was ever accountable or nobody who was really responsible was accountable. They always knew how to work the system to make it something else. Hmm. And so unfortunately, those things that are supposed to help you provide more reliability and better quality can sort of be weaponized through bureaucracy and say, well, you know, they didn't do this and therefore, and it's like, well, who gets to be the judge of that? But communication, I really like, yeah, just being forthcoming saying, hey, we have a problem. Right. And nobody wants to say it and nobody wants to hear it. But I think a lot of the people you want to work with are going to be relieved and probably surprised to hear somebody come up and say, I need to fix a mistake I made. Right. It's so true. And I think, again, like I'd said, there's always going to be things that happen. And the operator's biggest pet peeve is when people start pointing fingers because they don't have time for the BS. They just want to understand to their best of everyone's ability what the mistake was and what we're going to do to fix it. So to your point, it's one thing to own up to something, but don't just stop there. Like be thoughtful about the response take some accountability if you need to and if it's the right thing to do and then figure out a solution. And at the end of the day, it's like anything, if you're not making mistakes, you're either not trying hard enough or you're just meeting the status quo and not getting better. I mean, I would say a lot of the systems and things that we have in place are post issues. You know what I mean? It's like we had an issue with you know X product and therefore we created this, this, and this to make sure we didn't have it happen again. And a lot of times, if you've got a lot of that information in line and you're working on it and you go back to the customer or whatever situation and tell them, then it's like, okay, well, yeah, the mistakes happen, but at least you're trying to get better for it. And a lot of times that's, again, unless it's like completely a huge disaster, 
a lot of times that's enough to maintain that level of trust and even have maybe the client even work with you on your system if they're open to that. So it can be a learning experience for both sides. And again, it's trying to make sure we cover all the base here, lessons learned, how to avoid re- And it's asking how to avoid repeating them. I think in like certain situations you can somewhat avoid, but you'll never be able to 100% guarantee you're going to avoid repeating them. But I think to what we've talked about is, is just learning from the mistake and creating systems and processes and to avoid, or at least to where you can then follow steps to make sure that whatever you're doing is executed properly. Matt, what would you say, like from a leadership perspective, is there anything that, you know, I mean, you're in a leadership role here, arguably, and you've taken on that and have done some great things. What would you say is kind of your big message or if there's anything that kind of stands out as a leader, kind of what you're trying to instill in the next leader or how you portray that to your group? I don't think we have a huge problem with ownership. When you have a culture of problem solvers, people are comfortable calling on a Saturday and being like, dude, we have a problem. I'm very thankful for that. There's a book I really like called Extreme Ownership. Mm. And the premise of the book, it's Navy SEALs, Jocko and Leif. If you can come up with a better name for a couple of meatheads, then tell <laughs> me. But the whole thing, I mean, it's, if you're into like war stuff, it's also pretty cool because all their most leadership books are like, we won the deal. And they're like, we almost had a friendly fire incident. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I called in an airstrike. But their whole argument is if you want to be a leader, you're ultimately responsible for everything. And yeah. one of the examples, the things they push is when somebody fails or makes a mistake, what resources did you not give that person that put them in that position? I think that's really, really helpful. It's why I'm big on putting together really clear work instructions and documentation and you know, all our knowledge management is, I feel like it's one thing to expect people to do something, but if you don't give them the tools and resources, like it's on them if they refuse to follow those once it's available and very clear and easy to use. Right. It's on me if they're not there. Mm. That was a big thing. I mean, one of the other examples in the book is Bud's training where this is like to qualify for a Navy SEAL where you stay up for like a week and it sounds awful and horrible and hence I'm not a Navy SEAL. But they break up into teams and compete and they're doing these competitions and the two teams are like whooping up on everybody else. But the other guys are like, well, we got the weaker team members. If we had their guys, our boats would be doing better. And so the SEAL guys were like, okay, switch. And granted, everybody was like beat down and exhausted after having to do a bunch of these exercises. But it turned out the leaders on those other boats we're making everybody perform better. Mm. And so even with the lowest, less able people in the class, the performance increased a bunch. And it just sort of showed like you can get more out of your people when you expect something out of them. There's an element of leading by example with that as well, where you're going to get more out of your people if you do the right thing. I think there's that element of like, hey, we're in a spot here. Let's do the right thing. And that's what I expect of you. Yeah. But now we're going to be a team that knows our culture as we do the right thing. Right. Right. Man, that's a great example in that book. I've listened and seen clips of Jocko and some of the stuff he does. But yeah, if you're looking for some motivation and again, like just sort of some raw leadership advice or even just tips and things like that, it's definitely a good resource. Like you said, there's a tons of good leadership books out there, but I appreciate you sharing that example. And again, a great question from the individual who wrote to you, Matt. I think it's neat to talk about these kind of things because It's one thing to look at drilling fluids and sort of the, just the elements that go into it, the chemistry and the operations. But at the end of the day, we're dealing with people day in and day out. I mean, we're not at a point where robotics and AI is just going to take over drilling wells. Like 
I talk to multiple people a day, whether it's the customer, whether it's internally. And so it's leading, it's dealing with people, it's dealing with different emotions, different backgrounds. And, and at the end of the day, no one wants excuses. They want results. So just come to the table with that. And if you make a mistake, own up to it, get better and just keep fighting the good fight. I mean, you said it in a much more elegant way, but appreciate the email. If anyone out there has any thoughts or questions or just wants to add to the conversation, I think it's a good one. It's one that we don't have very often on the podcast, but again, it's an important topic. Matt, any sort of closing last words, anything else that you can think off the top of your head? I think big picture, your reputation is way more important than one event. Mm -hmm. Okay, two things. The oil field is a small place. Sometimes people remember you for how you behaved in tough situations. Yeah. You don't want to be the person that did the wrong thing. And that's sort of your legacy when you're looking for another job or that customer has gone to another potential customer. You want to be remembered for doing the right things. It's a long game. It's not just this one time. It's your career. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is there's still a price if you make a mistake. There are times when I feel like I'm almost sort of like I feel good about being really forthcoming and candid with a customer. And it doesn't mean there weren't consequences. I didn't get an integrity medal and get awarded another rig for telling them clearly about how the mistake I made. Yeah. But once again, this is a long game. So I think those are things that you really need to walk away with. Think much bigger than the moment, no matter how hard the moment feels. Yeah. No, drop the mic there. Everyone appreciate the support. Review, subscribe, reach out to us on LinkedIn, connect with Matt and I. Make sure you connect with the AES Fluids LinkedIn page. We're constantly dropping content. All the podcasts and stuff gets released on there and just other interesting things that we're doing within the company, whether it's providing technical information, case studies. We dropped our new lubricant, Brinex 2. We had something come out on LinkedIn about that with a cool little case study around that. And yeah, with everyone out there, make sure you be safe. Enjoy the Astros. And until next time, take care, everybody. Take care. Thanks for listening. Please tune in next week for another exciting episode of The Flow Line. And remember, may your returns always be full and your trips always smooth. Views expressed in this program belong to participants and not their employees. The program is for informational purposes only and cannot take the place of seeking professional advice. Copyright AES Drilling Fluids.